0: But I don't. I really don't have any regrets. I really don't. I've I've lived exactly how I wanted to. I've tried my hardest every single time. I didn't win the matches that maybe I should have always won, or. But I really gave it my all. So that for me is.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Body Serve. I'm James. I'm Jonathan. And man, we have been to Florida and back, not the Miami Open, but <laughs> elsewhere in Florida. And normally this
0: time of year, well, for the past two years, I've been in Charleston. I won't be in Charleston this year, which is sad. I'll miss the Althea Gibson court. Mm hmm. I'll miss the folks that I've met the last two years. But the reason for that is we're uh, doing a little bit of personal vacationing this year, which is
1: yeah, finally a vacation that is only tangentially about tennis. Mm-hmm. We are going to be going to Europe in May and seeing part of the Rome tournament while we're there. Yeah. But only
0: a small part. Only two sessions. <laughs> well, two days. We have two day sessions booked. We just booked those. Maybe we'll do a night session if the order of play is enticing, but it's a. Uh, it's, we're going to be off the clock as well, which is, which is exciting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We're going to be watching red clay tennis for the first time. Perhaps
1: Rafa, Venus, and Serena on clay
0: in Rome? It's kind of mind-blowing. I can't wrap my head around yeah, it. Yeah, I,
1: I don't know if I even want to put that down on the record, because it's like too much to ask for. I did say that I would be shocked if Serena plays. Moratoglu Academy did tweet that she'll be there. But, I mean, who believes him anyway?
0: For those who are interested, we're gonna be doing Spain and Italy for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna finish the trip with two days in Rome. So that that's that. That's something for us to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, on the tennis circuit, we have just concluded the Sunshine Double, and we've only had one double titleist, and it comes in the form of the doubles pairing of Elise Mertens and Arena Sabalenka.
1: So we we have been knowing that Elise Mertens is a doubles killer. She had a bunch of titles with Demi Shores last year. Uh, I think Demi had seven. I, I, th- I think I think that sounds right. Right? And she's teamed up with Arena Sabalenka, who is kind of in the midst of a small sophomore slump in singles, but has achieved great success in doubles recently.
0: Beating a whole bunch of top teams mm. in doubles, the two of them
1: together. Siniakova and Krejcikova...
0: Vika and Ash Barty made the semis in Miami and they took them out as well. Not such bad news for Ash because she then went on to win the singles title mm. and crack the top 10 for the first time. And let me tell you, this is exciting news for us. I know a lot of folks out there are kind of meh on Ash, think that she's kind of blah and her game is kind of blah. But we find her very exciting. And having <laughs> sat down with her in Cincinnati a couple of years ago. We, uh, we stan her
1: professionalism. No doubt she has a a very low-key personality. I don't like when people call her dull. I think she's just very chill, very team-oriented. Like, she's not someone who takes up a lot of space. But her game and just her, the way she carries herself, I think is a cool addition to the WTA tour.
0: She's that perfect blend of power and finesse. Mm-hmm. on both tours. Can you name a player who blends the two better than Ash Barty?
1: Is that a rhetorical question?
0: For me it is. If you want to try, go for it. No,
1: I <laughs> No, but I get it. The you know, she has a big first serve. She had 15 aces against Carolina in the final, which is a career high. That slice backhand, which very few women do these days, and she does it consistently. Almost every backhand she hits is a slice. Helps her get to net.
0: On her way to the title, she beats Jastrenska, Stozer, number seven, Burtons, who is now up to a career high number six, Kvitova, Kontovite, and Karolina Pliskova in the final. So if you're counting at home, that's three top 10 players on the way to the title. Mm-hmm.
1: She actually lost to Petra Kvitova twice before this year, um, lost to her at the Australian Open. And in the tournament before that in Sydney in the final.
0: If you recall, they had that, that final to start the year. Ash making the final on home soil. And then Ash had to play her again at the Australian Open. Mm-hmm. So Petra was a bit of a, a bugaboo for her earlier in the season. And she's now able to conquer her on her way to her biggest title of right. her career.
1: I feel like, uh, like 2017 into 2018, we were expecting a lot from Ash. And for a lot of last year, I thought, okay, she's doing pretty well, but she's she's not beating the players who are better than her like she's beating who she's supposed to beat but she's still in that solidly like 10 to 20 range what is it going to take for her to break through like we have all this faith in her talent but it just felt like is she maybe stagnating a bit like is there a killer instinct that was missing and i think 2019 has really flipped the script starting with her Zhuhai win at the end of last year then getting to the final in an Australian tournament in Sydney, uh, beating Sharapova in a big showcase match at the Australian Open, she has really started to turn it around. And now Miami—I mean, by far the biggest final and biggest title of her career.
0: Her opponent in the final, Karolina Pliskova, aided by her two-pronged coaching team of Renee Stubbs and Conchita Martinez, has had a great year so far. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, Pliskova has 21 wins already. She won the Brisbane title to start out the year. Um, she made the semifinals famously in Australia, beating Serena Williams in the quarters. And here we are in Miami. She gets to the final. And I would say she had you had to look at her as the favorite going in. But it became clear as the final went on that she was physically just not there. Which was surprising because she had been playing night matches going on, going through the tournament. The day of the final was pretty hot and humid, but that's to be expected anywhere in in the tennis calendar. She said she
0: got through the first four or five games and then that's when it started to hit her in the mm. final. And Ash, there was no let up from her in that final. No,
1: not at all. You know, part of the 15 aces career high was probably that Carolina was not moving to every serve like she should have been her movement on a good day it's not like top 10 movement right that's it,
0: overstated at this point i think she's shown she's it's shown a lot that better. it's significantly improved
1: yes but a, a hobbled carolina is just it's not going to be good enough in a final right i have to say i'm i'm not trying to be mean here but but i just have limited sympathy for a top 5 player who reaches a final In a tournament where you have a day rest between pretty much all your matches and is physically completely wiped out. If there was something else that was going on there, I retract this. Something that we don't know. But I don't know. I just, to me, it's like, okay, why why are you so exhausted?
0: We had this discussion just last night about when folks come for each of us, be it on Twitter or whatever, what are the expectations from each other to back the other up? Oh. And I'm going to leave you squarely on that hill to die on. I am not going to touch it. <laughs> that's fine. I wasn't asking for a backative. <laughs> I will back you when it's, when it's warranted, but not in this or instance. Or when it's something that you agree with. I just don't know enough to opine in this instance. Oh, fair fair enough. Though I do suspect you'll be fine. I think of all the fandoms, the of a fandom is one that's somewhat benign at this point.
1: Is it? We I shall don't know. see.
0: <laughs> the WTA number 1 ranking was up for grabs in Miami, which has been the case for every tournament that all the big players are playing this year or for hell for the last year and a half. Right. And uh, Naomi Osaka leaves Miami still with her number 1 ranking intact. She lost to, to She Sue in Miami mm-hmm. in a match that it was your prototypical shea match. She just, I, we were in, in Northern Florida at the time and I- C- Central Florida, please. Okay. This is, that's your, that's Northern your territory. Fl- I, I'm not as minutely familiar with American geography as you are, okay. as, as should be the case. Okay. Uh, but, so I took a break from the sun and was watching this match and it just frames Shea's game so perfectly. What she did in that match, because it, this whole business of her being a wizard and doing junk ball, moon ball shit to frustrate your opponent, it's it's overstated. I think. Maybe that's gonna be the word really? on my part on this episode. Mm. Because you watch the match, and Naomi's throwing the kitchen sink at her, but she's still able to hang with her from the ground. This is you, when you think of somebody who has to resort to these, you know, frowned upon tactics okay. to win matches. Typically you you think that the reason for that is because their deficiencies in their power game Whatever Mm -hmm. she's able to absorb the power and give it back She's also able to to generate some so it's not like you can deploy one specific tactic against her and I think that's what's most maddening about playing Shi, because you you get into these extended 20 plus shot rallies where you're just bashing the ball hitting crazy angles and you're going toe-to-toe, and then she's able to do that right. as well. And so it's, it's a testament to just how many tools she has in her tool bag when you watch her play
1: somebody like Nemi Osaka and be able to to outplay her. A power player is like rhythm, yes. right? It helps that like Venus would love to play against a power player any day of the week, I'm sure. Even if it's Petra Kvitova, for example.
0: Especially Petra Kvitova, you'd, well, you'd lately, argue, because yeah. you know, A, you know what you're getting, mm. and B, the the levels, the sightlines of the ball are pretty much the same. Right. You know what's coming.
1: So if you're a power player like Naomi playing Xie, you have no idea what the hell is going to come across the net at any given moment. And that has to be, well, frustrating, but even sort of, mentally exhausting as the match goes on Mm -hmm. you know you always have to be on your toes there's no such thing as like one mindless rally in that match it just doesn't happen that's
0: something that you've been that's something that you've been attuned to lately i've heard you say that to Mm. me privately a couple times
1: yeah well i'm always more interested in what's going on like mentally and emotionally versus the physically on court because these players are in incredible shape so it, it takes a little bit more to wear down these top players than, than just the physical side of things. And Naomi clearly hates playing her. And she's not subtle about it. Like, she looks completely miserable the whole time. And that might be part of it. Why she has that sort of, you know, mental one-up on her. She wouldn't be the first. Right. Nor will she be the last.
0: I'm just glad we're at a place where Peter Bodo, notwithstanding... <laughs>
1: I think we it was can, an attempt we... at a like a quip. Or yeah, a bond it,
0: mole. Okay, whatever. But it's these quips that have to bring Federer and his the beauty of his game into it to cause some kind of comparison to degrade a woman player. You know, like I'm just not here well, for Well
1: he it. did say Anna as well. Was that like the paragon?
0: Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but my point is I'm glad we're at a point now where she is able to back up her results, have consistently good results, beat top players consistently and, you know, make an unmistakable claim for her game mm. to the point where the haters have to recede.
1: Right. Osaka, despite losing, is still number one, as he said. Simona Halep is only 239 points behind her. Now, Naomi doesn't have a whole lot to defend from now until the US Open. <laughs> uh, you know, she has wins here or there. She got to the, I think, third round of the French Open last year. Tournaments where she had, like, two wins back-to-back. But her spring and summer was not great. So if she can improve on that, I think she could have a good shot of holding on to her ranking for a while. We know that Simona Halep is defending a runner-up spot at Roland Garros, so that'll be something to look for. I mean, there's no reason to think she can't do it again.
0: We've got roughly 1,700 points separating numbers 1 to number 9. In the WTA rankings, mm-hmm. that is crazy.
1: But look at one through what is that six? Yeah. They're all within a
0: thousand points. Within yeah, within less than nine hundred and forty points mm-hmm. between numbers one and six.
1: Karolina Pliskova could make a run for number one. She is defending the Stuttgart title, um, the semifinals in Madrid, so she has more points to defend than Naomi. But the way she's playing. She definitely has a shot at it. She's only like 400, and well, exactly 441 points behind.
0: The real challenge here for Simona, if we're to look at her as the player who's held number one most out of those players in the last two years. And uh, part of her struggle this year has been injury, right? You get the impression Mm -hmm. that Simona could have added more points to her tally had she been fully healthy.
1: Yeah, the his, problem for her. back injury.
0: Yeah, the problem for her is that she's heading into the French Open where she's defending. So she's going to have those 2,000 points lopped off. So number one becomes a spectacular opportunity for somebody at the French Open.
1: Wait, did I say, oh my God, I said she had a runner-up points to defend. She has winning points to defend. Oh, I, <laughs> I guess I just wasn't oh even paying God. much attention wow, to Wow I just gave Sloan that title. so wow sorry i meant she won the french open (laughs) i was thinking 2017. okay so if one of these top six
0: players makes the final or wins the tournament which would mean simona doesn't then that's the huge tectonic shift in points that Mm. could separate somebody going forward i mean if naomi osaka were to win the french open we know clay has not been her bag thus far in her career Mm -hmm. But if, say, for example, that were to happen, then this could be uh, a moot point for a while. Right. The women's match that caused all that drama in Miami. Mm -hmm. You missed it. You were on vacation. I said, are you going to come outside and watch Andreescu Kerber? And you said, no, I'm going to go to bed. Mm -hmm. At that point, the second set was finishing up. I took my ass into the living room and watched the rest of that match. And uh, I'm... I'm glad that I was able to to bring that first-person perspective to the show. Because we'd have been, you know, not able to to speak to this as well if one of us didn't witness it in real time. And also the aftermath on
1: Twitter. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Andreescu and Kerber had just played in the final of Indian Wells. Andreescu won. There was some minor tension in the Indian Wells final, which we neglected to talk about at the time. But Kerber was getting annoyed because Bianca kept hitting balls back that were dead and a few of them hit her. So
0: <laughs> and we've seen this before right. this year wh- with, with Venus with whom? Yes. with with the Elder Williams uh, in Auckland.
1: Venus gave her a look to kill and Bianca looked mortified. You'd think that would stop someone in their tracks, but she kept doing this and it was you know, uh, she's young, you assume that it's just amateurish behavior that it's not intentional. Kerber was not looking fondly on that
0: or it's just a tick that you pick up a tennis tick that you pick okay. up in your junior days
1: But it was like the the point was over. Why are you hitting the ball back? Eh, toward the, your opponent. Yeah, the like, ball kid is there to, exactly. to pick it up. Just which, leave it.
0: Which makes me think that it's a, a junior tennis thing mm. because if Kerber is serving and the point is ended on on Bianca's side. Then she needs to get the ball back over the other side because there's no kid to go, mm. you know, relay that stuff around. Uh-huh. And it, I mean, it's a it's an involuntary reaction. At this point, though, it has to stop. Well, of course, because girl, you're on you're in the big time now.
1: Well, Kerber made it clear in the Indian Wells final that she was annoyed by it. We get to Miami, and there was a, a medical timeout that supposedly pissed off Kerber and. Bianca wins again.
0: The handshake at the end. It was so quick, I missed it. I had my head down in my phone and I looked up and Bianca was waving, blah, 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 blah. And then my Twitter blew up and was like, oh my, oh my stars, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Barry Manilow. (laughs) (laughs) And allegedly, well, I mean, it's what happened at this point. I don't think we we have to say allegedly.
1: Now people have rewound the tape and you can hear it. What did Miss Kerber say? She said, you are the biggest drama queen ever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and my initial reaction to that, having not thought through the whole dynamic of the situation, was, well, well we know that that's patently false because we know who the biggest drama queens are. Jose Cornet, Putin Seva, the list goes on, mm-hmm. right? Bianca Andreescu is not the biggest drama queen. However, I can see how for an established player with this youngin coming up and whooping everybody's ass mm. that they may take issue with some of the on-court stuff. I'm not going to call it dramatics or dramaticing, as Mariah would say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say, like, her tics, the stuff that she does. And also, there are a lot of times where she talks out loud. She lets you know what's going on in her coaching timeouts mm. that mm. are very unfiltered. And it's... a uh, It's kind of like a lot of teen angst and woe is me, and it's very unfiltered. There's no composure to that specifically. Mm. And so that that projected onto somebody who is more established in the game and has to deal with the press obligations on a week-to-week basis and maintain that facade of the upper echelons of the game. Mm -hmm. They don't have that luxury anymore. But Bianca, because of her youth and because of the fact that she's still new to rising up the rankings she's able to get away with that in a sense and it's part of the story of her rise like wow look at this young player who is just figuring things out in real time and we get to witness that and that's part of the fun of watching her Mm -hmm. and for Kerber it's it's not fun no and it would not be fun if Kerber were doing that for a viewer because it's like girl you're almost
1: 30 you're a three-time Grand Slam champion like get it together right Kerber is obviously more buttoned up, but she is salty. Like, she can be salty. She was not always known as the nicest opponent, right? Like, not a not a bad girl, but also just not the paragon.
0: Yeah. I mean, to expect a, a reaction like Venus Williams after a loss is not really practical, I mm. would say, or even fair to ask of players mm. where Venus will... Extend her hand, make eye contact, even smile after every loss. Right, like that is not to be expected from everybody. Kerber at this point isn't. She's kind of a, a sore loser. I mean, she can be
1: sour. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's, that's to me, that's not really a criticism because uh, I don't really care that much. And as a Serena fan, like, how could I get on a high horse about that?
0: It's not the end of the world. People in these big high stakes moments, they lose matches you're allowed to feel salty about it right what is a really bad look though is when you are of the stature of angelique kerber and you're going to be essentially shitting on this young up-and-comer in this moment well
1: okay here here is my take there was a lot of drama on both sides um people saying what kerber did was bullying saying that bianca deserved it etc cetera, etc cetera. My thing is, if Angelique wants to say something, she should have whispered it into the girl's ear, like, yeah, are you hello, Nini Leaks herself said, "Did I choke somebody?" Well, if I did, I certainly <laughs> didn't do it on camera. If <laughs> the same concept applies here, like, if you called, okay, can you imagine like what players say to each other when the cameras are not listening? Mm-hmm. right?" So as a pro, as a seasoned player like Herbert, why are you saying that so Mikes can pick it up?
0: Because obviously she's hot-tempered and not thinking yes. in the moment. Yeah. But if you really want to have Bianca shook, like you say, you go in and you give the hug and you stay there. And everybody thinks, oh my god, it's such an amazing hug at the net. And you're like, really? Fuck
1: you, bitch. Right. Because what <laughs> Kerber did was not shade. It was just mean. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like there was nothing subtle about that. So I think that everyone needs to stay, take a step back as a 30-something, as a very low 30-something. I a very low. Yes, I would recommend some moderation, which I know is not always my reputation. I always forget how old you are, and I was
0: so disgusted to learn that you were still 33 last week. Um, I literally is, was so disgusted. Is that
1: public knowledge?
0: I don't care at this point. I
1: really don't. <laughs> oh fine oh well the other thing is that bianca had some fun with it on instagram her Mm -hmm. instagram stories after like fans were submitting sort of
0: she had a picture that was totally unrelated to that match and she said caption this
1: hmm.
0: and she was looking off in the distance or something and then folks were like oh, there's Kerber-Sultaness, or blah, 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 blah. They made it all about oh, Kerber. She,
1: oh, but she still didn't win that title or whatever. Exactly. And Bianca shared it and sort of got a chuckle she, out She's like, it. oh
0: my God, you guys are too much. I'm getting so much of these. Like,
1: girl, God, you're so 18. Like, <laughs> Really, I feel so old when I see shit like that.
0: And then people were saying, well, she needs to stop this. This has gone too far. And in my mind, she didn't do nothing to start this. Well, like right, that, that's that's the bottom line. Right. Like the grown a whole grown ass woman with three grand slam <laughs> titles started this petty ass shit and we're here to try and like tell Andrescu that she needs to quit right. with the social media. Her forte, this is her milieu, social media. Like what do you expect's going to happen when you give an 18-year-old with these social media tools, that kind of ammunition to try and push back against that kind of saltiness? That's all I'm saying.
1: I don't know. I I'm so like I'm just not bothered by it. If you're not about the drama in tennis, then don't pay attention to it. Don't talk about it.
0: On the men's side, Mr. John Isner threatened to win the Miami Open for the second time in a row. Mm -hmm. Which would have been a lot (laughs) for me to fathom, Mm -hmm. process, and
1: stomach. Fresh off his tour of the Sean Hannity set, (laughs) straight down to Miami...
0: He he was physically compromised in
1: that final, mm-hmm. Roger whooped him, and
0: uh, there are reports that he has a stress fracture. Yeah. Well,
1: that's what he said it felt like when he had a stress fa- fracture a few years ago. Mm. I don't think we know what it is yet. We may, by the time we publish this episode.
0: Yeah, and if that were the case, he may be out of tennis for a while, and if he yeah. were, he could do some freelance reporting for
1: Fox News. Fox and Friends, maybe? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's got an in now.
0: He'll be able to to secure that bag his, outside of
1: tennis. His, co- his sometime coach, I don't know if you've heard of him, Justin Gimelstob. he was at the match. Who? It, exactly.
0: The crazy thing about Isner, and with him making a deep run in Miami this year, again, it's brought him to tennis Twitter prominence, and we saw some folks wanting to go down that route of... Well, you know, let's separate the person from the politics. Let's do this or that. John's a nice guy.
1: He's not, He's very nice. So nice. nice. Mm-hmm.
0: What does nice mean? <sighs> like, in my 30s, if somebody would say, Oh, you should meet that person. They're a nice person. Like, yes, girl. Let's meet up. I need a nice person. Like, tell me what you mean by nice. Mm. That's what I want to know. How is this person
1: a good fit for me? Nice doesn't mean <laughs> shit. But also... Right. But like political beliefs are are all well and good and they're harmless if they have no effect on you.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's a separate issue. What I'm talking about here is you want to try and whitewash or sanitize John Isner so that we can have a feel good moment. You do you. But let's be clear here. There is a lot to sanitize about John Isner. You'd need like a truckload of bleach Mm -hmm. to even scrape that filthy surface because it's not just him and being on fox and friends and his appalling political views it's the fact that he still has justin gimelstab as his coach in his box right Mm -hmm. there is uh Uh, just a potpourri of fuckery (laughs) surrounding this dude that stinks Mm
1: -hmm. and but uh but there he gives a really good uh runner-up speech so good on him
0: I'm just not here for the, well, maybe we should, maybe we shouldn't, da-da-da-da-da, with this dude, because there are so many things to should or shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just one thing. Like, and also, if folks are not about him, let them be not about him.
1: <laughs> like, right. It's not like, we're not all part of this mindless mob. Like, a lot of us have thought pretty hard about this stuff, and also live it every day. So it's not like the Twitter echo chamber. Like we've come to these conclusions on our own. Some folks don't like
0: his game. Some folks don't like him. Some folks don't care if he's nice to some players on tour. Some
1: folks don't like concentration camps for babies. I mean, it's a political belief.
0: Some folks expect more from the men in their lives with respect to being friends or employers of folks who have multiple issues of misogyny and physical assault against folks.
1: And some people don't like his shirt?
0: I sure do not like his shirt. (laughs) And the combination with his shorts, it was an abomination. Roger Federer won the Miami Open.
1: 101 titles. Okay.
0: And when he won, they brought out 101
1: Dalmatians. (laughs) I have to say, I have privately been saying that I think Roger is going to retire at the end of this year. I, I think you're wrong. Take that back hundred percent. I think you're totally wrong. You no, know, I, I really I felt very strongly that he would retire before the Olympics next mm-hmm. year. And I, um, did I not tell you you were wrong privately yeah. as well. But mm-hmm. I I don't think that anymore because he's just won two titles. He's decided to play clay this year. I mean, it could be his last clay season. It's pro- It's likely his final clay season. But if he continues to win and beat top players, I think he's pretty content doing this. I think he really likes his job. Travel- I mean, he's traveling with four kids. His parents are coming to a lot of tournaments. His wife is there. They all seem to be having a good time.
0: I believe him when he says it's really up to Mirka and like what she's really willing to still put mm-hmm. up with. Because yeah. if you're in his position and his body is allowing him to do this, why would you not? Right. This is not somebody struggling hoping for one last hurrah this is somebody clearly at a close approximation of the peak of his powers
1: but even i mean even a fraction of his powers you can see that it's better than almost everybody else
0: sure but my point is that's how good he still is Mm. if you watch some of the highlights that net interaction that he had I mean, thats they'll probably make year-end highlight reels that extended volley rallying at the net mm. in Miami. And there's still few people who can bother him when he's feeling his oats.
1: And Isner doesn't seem to be one of them, unless it's at Labor Cup.
0: Mm. Their record is now 6-2. and two. I was surprised to learn that Isner had even won two matches against Federer.
1: Mm. John, for
0: his part, he remains a perennial at this point Top ten player. That is not nothing. Was well, not. It's not something we would have envisioned. Neil top fifteen player. Not something we would have envisioned for him in his career when he was younger. Mm. He seemed like the type of player who would be destined to kill himself on court in a second round U.S. Open fifth set tiebreak Right. Debacle. But he's managed to carve out a multi-million dollar top ten elongated career. Did you? Sense how much that pained me to
1: say. Mm -hmm. So, and I think we can move on. Yeah, Novak Djokovic lost to Roberto Bautista Agut again. Yeah, lost him earlier this year in Doha. Uh, RBA plays a game that Djokovic doesn't like. Let me tell you, it's
0: also a game that I've grown to really enjoy watching. Mm. And maybe I enjoy watching it against Djokovic because RBA clearly is one of the few players on tour who's able to bother. Djokovic attempting to do what he does best
1: Mm.
0: which is is interesting which normally doesn't work no because yes tennis is about matchups and and tactics and what works against one player Uh, Djokovic's strategy against Nadal might not work against Federer etc blah 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 but as a, a through line with Djokovic as far as what he does on court it's I'm gonna grind you down from the baseline it's not going for kill shots right off the bat. It's like, well, I can I can be out here hitting thirty shot rallies and be fine, just mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. And by the third set, you will have nothing left. It's very Agassi like.
1: Mm.
0: And perhaps while they didn't have a whole lot of success together, that's something that was cemented with it within him from their partnership. I don't know. That that's a mm. a distinct comparison between the two that I can make. Bautista Agut, on the other hand. He's physically fit enough and believes in his ground game enough to not be worried by that. And it's kind of, it's crazy to
1: watch because we don't see
0: it very often.
1: Mm -hmm. Djokovic uh, said he had been pretty distracted during the Sunshine Double. He wasn't happy with his play. He said after Indian Wells that he would learn from that sort of off-court distraction. Clearly it's something that had been plaguing him. His master's results since winning the master blaster in Cincinnati have not been great. I mean, they haven't been horrible.
0: You're still on that master blaster yeah. shit.
1: Yeah, that is going <laughs> to happen. <laughs> since he won the final master's uh, shield that he didn't have in Cincinnati, the, what, there have been four since then, I think. They haven't been amazing. Losses to RBA here, Cole Schreiber and Indian Wells, Hachanov. And George, last year. I think Djokovic is, he is 31 years old, and he is here for majors. Point blank, period. He's got three in a row. Who cares what he does at the Masters at this point? Felix Auger Eliasim. This he, kid, like who doesn't love this kid? He just couldn't
0: wait to be king. The <laughs> Lion King is
1: coming out this year, right? The Beyonce version? I, I don't know. I'm not paying attention to oh. that. I have to put this on record. I hate The Lion King. Like, I absolutely hate that movie. You hate Indian Wells. You hate The Lion King. I know. How maybe, do you even function? Maybe I'll get another troll for hating The Lion King. <laughs> but Beyonce's in this one, so it'll be okay.
0: This kid's still just like Bianca, 18 years old. And listen, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that we have been telling you, through the rise of Dennis Shapovalov, that... In spite of all that hubbub, there is another kid waiting in the wings who is projected to be even better. Mm. And at this point, I think it's safe to say not only is perhaps his, his skill set more complete, but he appears to be a more complete package as well. He's got personality.
1: <laughs> well, that is very subjective. Yes. Uh, I mean, people love Shapovalov. Mm-hmm. They don't love his rap, but they like the attempts, I think. Uh, Felix is, seems to be a, a much more... Uh, Mature. <laughs> I was just going for he is much more low-key. Mm-hmm. He doesn't seem super comfortable with the attention, which he spoke to this week. He's not used to the spotlight like this. But it turns out he might have to get used to it.
0: And the good news for him... We found out this week that he underwent a surgical procedure in the off season that has allegedly one hundred percent corrected his heart problem mm-hmm. that we saw bother him incidentally against Shapovalov at
1: the US Open. Right. He retired at the US Open. It was his first main draw Grand Slam match with tachycardia, which was really just an irregular heartbeat, like an elevated heart rate. It was scary for people watching, but Felix said he wasn't super worried because he knew what it was, but it wasn't something that he could continue to compete with. So he underwent this surgery. Apparently, the doctors were able to find the source of the problem for the first time, and he is not worried about it in the future.
0: He beat three seeds in Miami. He beat Fuchovic, Basilashvili, and Chorich before losing to Isner in two tie breaks
1: Mm.
0: he was up big time
1: in that match he was up a break in both sets and And being up a break against isner is almost like oh wow okay i can really do this and
0: what came into focus here is just how raw and new he is to these big moments Mm -hmm. and this is obviously a learning experience for him
1: i mean just the growth over the past it's not even a few months the past few weeks Mm-hmm. Right, like reaching his first quarter, his first semi, his first final, a year his ago, first Grand Slam match. Period. A was year in ago, September.
0: he was struggling to even win matches in challengers
1: mm-hmm. against some unheard of players. So it's a similar trajectory to Bianca. He hasn't reached those heights yet, but the kind of the speed of the growth is is crazy to watch. And Denis Shapovalov, for his part, reached the semifinals. Uh, beat Francis TFO in the quarters, and didn't have a lot to give against Roger Federer, but this was a very encouraging tournament for him, I think. He also beat Tsitsipas. Yes. Which was a big win for him. I mean, he beat two of the top next-generation dudes, TFO, but Tsitsipas is now pretty firmly in the top 10.
0: And again... I've said this in, in episodes past. Why is it that we don't include Francis in the conversation for best of the next gen or even best next American star? Mm-hmm. You have so few. Right. Why is Brad Gilbert out here saying that it's going to be Riley Opelka when Francis Tiafo is inside the top 30? That is crazy mm-hmm. to me. What is it about Francis outside of maybe you don't really care for the, the aesthetics of his game? That would have you deny his talent and his achievement right. thus far. That's that's crazy to me. Like, I don't if know you what had...
1: more you need. Because the story is there, right? Like, the working class immigrant story. This stuff writes itself. Like, for commentators, this is a pretty easy job to commentate a Francis TFO match. The color is already written.
0: He just made the quarterfinals in Australia. I think perhaps maybe people think he's older than he really is. Mm-hmm. That might be part of yeah. it, too.
1: Well, he has been heralded since he was like 14 years old. And it took him a little while. We are happy with the, this development of Felix Oje Aliasim. We
0: have been ready to stand and we are here to stand. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this next gen is truly a bro generation. Yes. Right. Like this is a dude bro generation. But I think they might be a little more fiery than the, the old guard, than the golden age. The Don't old guard
0: think? was fiery when they were young too.
1: Well I mean Roger and Rafa weren't really. Novak had his things. Andy was mostly self inflicted. Roger was out here smashing rackets and having a terrible temper yeah, when he was. But that's even before we knew them.
0: You know. Okay. Well were we paying attention to them at that age the way we are paying attention to Dennis and Felix and Francis mm. now? No, no. We weren't. It's a totally different time. We are more attuned to tennis right now, personally. Mm. And also the social media spotlight is so much greater. Yeah.
1: I just think these kids come from a different place and a different generation, and they're going to give you a different look. I think the the next gen of tennis, I'm not I mean, I'm not saying that it will be better, but it will certainly be different. different. Yeah, yeah, for
0: sure. The Miami Open wildcard situation. Every year we go through <laughs> this, and there's a lot of outrage. Oh my God. Because it's... It's IMG determinant as far as who gets
1: these wild cards. Yeah, I, I mean, that's kind of an open secret in tennis. I, you see a little of it on Twitter, but you, a quick Google will tell you who is affiliated with the agency, IMG. IMG owns the Miami tournament, and if you see a wild card that is a little bit questionable, just assume that's why. Just Google, for example, I hate to call her out, but Mario Saka. And figure out why maybe she got a wild card.
0: Yeah. Yes. Mario Saka is Naomi's older sister. And ranked I mean, in the 200s at hating. this point.
1: I'm not hating on like people getting a chance to play at this level. But mm, it's, I'm, I'm it's at the point, too expected to get mm, upset about it. Yeah, I mean, I know yeah. what it is at this point. Mm. I don't
0: get ex- upset about it. There are just a few where it just seems like so crazy. Like, why isn't Songa getting a wild card to Miami? Right. He, he ends a, up losing in qualifying. That's, that's weird. He got a wild me.
1: card to
0: qualifying. Yeah, that's weird it to is me.
1: ridiculous.
0: We talked about Merchants and Sabalenka having double success. The surprise on the men's side in terms of doubles was the pairing of Stefanos Tsitsipas and Wesley Kulov in making the final in Miami.
1: Yeah, that was cool.
0: Those two were going to... It was cool. Kulov's final was oh, I cool. Got it,
1: got it. Those two are going to play doubles together for the rest of the Masters 1000 tournaments for the rest of the year. Sven Grunfeld has a
0: lot to say on Twitter. He is a, a tennis coach. Mm-hmm. He's worked with a lot of the top women. He worked with Maria. He worked with An Ivanovich. And he is one of the most unfiltered, opinionated voices on Twitter <laughs> yes. about tennis.
1: Yes, I really enjoy it for the most part. But he is very invested In the Hard Rock Stadium apparently
0: because he says that anybody who has anything negative to say about this tournament should
1: have their head examined like literally anything negative like if you were upset about $7 cookies you're an idiot (laughs) if you were mad
0: about the purported $40 parking you should go to the neurologist
1: Mm -hmm. mm-hmm the $40 parking apparently was set by the stadium it's the same cost to get As to a Dolphins Miami game. Dolphins game, right? That is insane. See, I thought and we $22 in Toronto We live in Toronto, for, live in Toronto yeah. where you could easily pay $30 for the day. Uh, just a normal Monday downtown, right? Mm-hmm. $40 in it's, Miami? Come on.
0: It's larceny.
1: Mm-hmm. There was
0: lots to find fault with about this tournament. There's lots to find fault with about any tournament. Right, right.
1: And it's their first year at a new venue, so they get a little leeway there. And we're um, grateful that a tournament is staying in the U.S. for once. Absolutely. Uh, we weren't there, so I I can't speak to the venue or the accommodations no. or anything. Players seem to enjoy it. Fans yeah. also seem to enjoy it. The the they, view of the stadium on TV was not great. You know, aesthetically, it was like, it, this is weird. It was weird. Uh, for a tournament of this stature, for a Masters 1000, and for one of the premier mandatories on the WTA side, it just looked like a almost an afterthought i heard some folks saying describing
0: it as beautiful i don't know maybe that right. it looks different in person A- exactly that that's what i'm saying attendance was up quite significantly mm. this year and allegedly the reason for that is the, the the stadium was more accessible right because previously you'd have to travel out to key biscayne to get to crandon park and, and you know there's like one bridge that goes out mm-hmm. there people would always complain about the traffic that it would take like an hour and a half to travel two miles to get home. Mm. And, and actually,
1: this past weekend, the Ultra Music Festival was in Virginia Key, which is like one island north of Key Biscayne. And apparently, like 80,000 people were stranded on the island and had to walk back to the mainland. Did no, you hear this? I did not know that. Yeah, there no. were supposed to be shuttles or whatever. And so there you have like 80,000 people on MDMA or whatever walking back to Miami. Molly, <laughs> Molly. <Mali. laughs> Molly Manila? And I mean, I do want to say, I did, I did Google map it because I was very curious, it's only 4 miles people. I know you're like fucked out of your heads at these music festivals, but that is like reason number 10 million I would never go to a music festival. Nor would you ever go on a cruise. No, I'm not trying to get norovirus. But
0: you know, there is a Golden Girls cruise now.
1: There is. Are you saying that you bought it for my birthday or something? I certainly did not. (laughs) It's really expensive. I
0: bought you tickets to go see us tomorrow night. That's about enough (laughs) for now.
1: Perth was announced as the third host city of the ATP Cup that literally nobody asked for. The Hopman Cup is officially done in Australia, at least at that time of the year. Which sucks. It does suck.
0: We've been... You know how we feel about this. We don't like it. We don't like the fact that the Hopman Cup is going away even if it's temporarily to be picked up somewhere else. It added a distinct texture to the the tennis calendar. Mm -hmm. It was something unique, and uh, I don't see how the ATP Cup is better than
1: that. Mm -hmm. Hopman Cup gave us some huge trending moments just this year, Mm -hmm. in its final year, it turns out, with some of the goats facing off, Serena and Federer playing together.
0: The underhand serve Mm -hmm. business came up again in Miami, this time with Kyrgios using it to get an ace. (laughs) And his opponent, Leovic, he saw what was
1: happening and he mm. was like, fuck that. You, no. get, you get the ace. Lajovic could have gotten to it, and I think he was like, absolutely not. This is bullshit. The underhand serve.
0: Let us have that reckoning. Judy I Murray
1: s- Judy Murray said the tactic was genius. I referring say, to Nick Curios. I say
0: everybody do it. And then let us all... Just
1: work this out mm-hmm. in but, real time. But try it in Paris, and it might be the last time you ever try it again. <laughs> we saw what happened to Martin poor Martina Angus. Angus in the French Open final. I think the Paris crowd is the only crowd that will absolutely gore you if you use it. It could be a deterrent. I don't really care either way. It's not something that is going to work consistently, no matter what. Like No matter how many players try it, it's not going to be a consistent tactic, I don't think.
0: We'll finish this episode with a discussion on how tennis is covered because this past week in Miami, we saw we we saw multiple folks opining on the state of tennis coverage. Mm -hmm. And all I want to say with this, and you obviously say what you want to say, but I'm going to take a lead here is we're at a place with tennis coverage where in a digital social media age, The more varied voices we have covering tennis, the better. We are so far past the point where we can rely on traditional means of journalism in tennis to get the full stories out. Mm -hmm. It's a fact that traditional news sources are just not sending beat reporters, tennis reporters, or any reporters to cover tennis tournaments on a consistent basis. Those jobs don't exist. We saw folks lamenting the fact that oh you know traditional tennis coverage the the real authentic tennis coverage isn't what it used to be and that's what we need to protect and maintain well that for me is bullshit we have a vested interest in in this as well because we are new media we are a podcast we have been credentialed at tennis tournaments as a podcast which is is different it's part of the sea change mm-hmm. and yes we're protecting our own interests in that regard but we have been on the ground where even as a podcast and with two of us in a press room, we can't do everything that we want to do even though there's two of us right we can't go to every press conference we can't go to matches to cover matches it's a totally different feel to watch a match from the press room than it is to watch a match in person and we saw uh, Caitlin Thompson you know lament the fact that you know coverage is so much different when you're actually at the match rather than just watching it from the press room and yes absolutely i totally agree with that i was able to ask Naomi osaka specific questions about her match on the althea gibson outer court in charleston last year that i would have totally been unable to do had i been in the press room working on other stuff and just kind of tangentially watching that match you get a certain feel for what's going on on the court that you would not get from just being in the press room hmm There was a moment in that match against Zygmunt where Zygmunt was delaying her essentially from her side of the court. And Neme was like, well, you know what? I'm going to take my own time and step away from the service baseline right now and see how you feel about that. And I was able to ask her about that in person in the press conference, which I would not have been able to do. And I think that that Mm -hmm. added something to our coverage as podcasters from that tournament. The fact is Tennis benefits from a multitude of different voices. And I am absolutely not here for folks who are going to be stifling new media from covering and bringing different layers and textures to the table. That is a non-starter for me. And we've seen it. We've We've been in the press room with photographers. The tensions between photographers, those who... There's this business of, well, I have to do this for a living. And that's the case for photographers and print journalists. And there's this resentment almost toward folks who maybe don't have to do this to pay the bills. Mm. But at the same time, make no mistake, this is not a lollygag business. We are taking this this trip to Europe for personal vacation for the first time ever together. Because in previous years, we didn't do it because we, we put our resources toward traveling to tennis tournaments. For unpaid vacation. Or unpaid vacation. And unpaid work.
1: Exactly. That's what I think a lot of people don't realize is that like a a lot of people in press rooms at these tournaments are not actually being paid no or maybe they're being paid to sell a story here or there to a print or digital outlet they may not have a per diem for example some of them are paying for their own hotel rooms like it's not the cushiest job in the world it's very precarious. there's what like maybe 12 newspapers in the world literally who send people to report on tennis across the world i I mean in australia you have a bunch of papers that cover the australian open Mm -hmm. but those papers don't send someone to all these masters tournaments in different continents like we know that the state of print media is dire absolutely dire like ad revenues are in the toilet subscriptions are what are paying 50 percent of the bills for a lot of newspapers which is not sustainable right now it is just this leads to this kind of scarcity mentality where some people in the press room would like to keep others out. Like, you have your hand in their pocket if you're getting a press credential. Where it's like, okay, nobody's really losing anything by other people getting a credential. The fact you know? is
0: that the system is broken. Right. That's what the issue is. It's not. A, <laughs> we should not be fighting with each other. There's so few people who who make a consistent living off of covering tennis even somebody like ben rothenberg is a freelancer he may have right. the new york times byline but he's a freelancer like that is that requires a lot of hustle mm-hmm. to make money from covering tennis and so there's this misconception that you folks who are there week in week out that it's it's easy that they're not doing what they should be doing or it doesn't reflect what we consider to be traditional coverage of sport when in fact we're at a point where we don't even know what that is it's it's evolving we're in the midst of an, an evolution of tennis coverage mm. and for the position to be well it needs to be one way or the other it's kind of it's it's too limiting for me
1: right I think what we what is becoming clear is that tennis is not a very diverse sport there are a lot of women in the press room. Yes. Uh, but there are not a lot of people of color no. of either gender. The the press conference interaction, you know, it does its job, right? Like you get quotes for stories, but we see players opening up in so many different avenues to different journalists outside of sports, like Naomi with that that profile in the Undefeated or with GQ, or Esquire, or all these different magazines. Players sort of showing their personality on social media. Like, there's something very limiting about the old school press conference, you sit on the dais and we ask you questions. There's a place for that, but it is limiting. And the people asking the questions, that's really important too. Who is asking the questions? Who is given a press credential? Obviously, you can't give one to any old person you never heard of, but Tournaments are now realizing that podcasts, blogs, photographers, all these sorts of new media are covering the sport in an exciting way. The leagues are not realizing that. So, you know, the ATP, especially the, the ATP. ITF, is shutting down people's Twitter accounts for sharing content. So you wonder if, because these things are not directly revenue generating, they're not seen as valuable.
0: Which is the trouble, because so few people are generating Profit from this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Like it's... Right.
0: As few people as you can think it is, it's less. Mm. It's really that bad. Right. And there is a problem when you we, we mock and we lament and we complain about some of the truly hideous questions that are asked in press sometimes from folks who have no business being there. That is, that is a, a problem mm. and a, an that absolute happens. truth. But there is no on-the-job training for this there is no school of tennis journalism which is what you need because a school of journalism is not going to lead to covering tennis mm. in this day and age. it's just not and what we're doing now is we're getting to a point where for the good of the sport and the the survival of tennis coverage we're gonna have to incorporate different means of covering the sport yeah and make no mistake about it there are folks when when we have this discussion about being in the press room or being at tennis matches there are folks who they're functioning as beat writers there is no time to be on the court that is a luxury right we know that that is a luxury and (laughs) there are times when i'm able to be at a tennis match because i know that being at this tennis match in this moment and not in the press room is not going to affect my rent. For some folks, mm-hmm. that is not the case. And so where we're at is we have to find some kind of balance to where folks can make money off of tennis outside of just freelancing. And I don't know where that's going to come from and, or how that's going to happen. Because it's it seems irrevocable at this point where labor has is being exploited. Mm-hmm. It really is.
1: I mean, when it comes down to it, institutions are not really all that keen on journalism as a rule, unless it makes the product look better, right? Like that's, But that's not the role of journalism. So you have this thing like when you get a press credential, you have to be on your best behavior because that can be taken away and it might not be given to you at the next tournament or the following year. You know, so I think that tournaments, sponsors, and the leagues – the WTA ITF and ATP are I mean, their role is not to help free expression flourish. It's just point blank not It's to it's, protect it's their not own not going best interest and in their image and their product. And to sell the product. Yes. First and foremost, to sell the product. The problem is that the traditional media have broken down in a lot of ways. So because I don't they're, know. They're, I don't know what the solution is. There
0: are no protections on our end. Right in, pre- in press, there are no, there are literally no protections like, anymore.
1: not only are you not unionized, you're not an employee, and you don't even work for a major outlet. You know, and like even if you do, you're freelance. Right.
0: So to expect all these grandiose old school things of people working in tennis media, it's 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 a non-starter it's, uh, at this point. It's
1: complicated.
0: It is. <laughs> it then makes it even more appalling for us when folks are trying to to limit and kind of litigate who is able to be part of this Mm -hmm. process.
1: Yeah. Well, here we are at the end of number 153. Charleston has started. The clay season is upon us. What are you looking forward to over the next few months? I want to see Rafa and Clay in Rome. That's the
0: most selfish thing that I want to see. (laughs) Period. Uh, This is my one shot. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I'm... I'm looking forward to who the who the next young person is going to be. We've had so many already in 2019, but it feels like every tournament there's somebody else, somebody else is is giving an account of their talent. And uh clay is a totally different surface, obviously, and now that we're making the move from hard court to clay, there are players who have a talent that's more suited to that surface that potentially could start doing things that we haven't seen yet in mm-hmm. 2019.
1: I'm looking forward to seeing Felix on clay because we know he has excelled on that surface. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Daria Williams, Venus Kazatkina.
0: Daria Williams?
1: <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing Venus play on clay because I think she has adapted this weird, chippy little clay game that I think can really work.
0: I just hope Kazakina
1: esque that... <laughs> if you will.
0: I just hope that she's able to... She's in St. Lucia now, mm-hmm. having a vacation, having a yeah. good time of her life. I hope she's able to get her body right mm-hmm. for this play season. Because she's not stopping playing, that much we
1: know. Right. <laughs> Remember when people were terrified she was retiring? Yes. Last year when she dumped mm-hmm. the whole team? She's like, no, I'm still having fun. And this year in Miami was clearly the most fun she's had in a long time. We said it in Indian Wells... But in Miami, she was actually, like, having fun in press, which is unheard of, for post-35 Venus. Talking about which golden girl she liked the best. Like, (laughs) come on. That's very unusual at this stage. Our moment of zen for episode 153. Brought to you by this brilliant Tennis Channel commercial, and Sloane Stephens. Barry Manilow, my mom's like obsessed with him, and so she always makes us listen to him on road trips. So I know like every single song of his. It's terrible. That shit made me cackle. I don't know what's so funny about it. Like the way face, she says like it. Like she's in the golf cart and she's like, Barry Manilow? <laughs> I, I can relate. My mom, well, she didn't play it at home, but she has like 15 Barry Manilow records. Okay. But when my mom like moves on from something, it's done. Like, period. I thought
0: you were going to take the opportunity to shit on Michael Bolton. Michael because Bu- I oh was not God. about to,
1: to suffer that fuckery right now. <laughs> no, she also liked Michael Bolton. But again, when it was done, it was done. And it was never heard from again. She moved on to Backstreet Boys and Ricky Martin. And now Bruno Mars. Right. Listen,
0: I am not about that life. I'm still very much in the Michael Bolton camp. I grew up with Soul Provider, That's that cassette tape. Mm-hmm that used to play in my mother's car growing up. I'm a Michael Bolton fan for life. Yeah, you were
1: in like a pretty into the blue-eyed soul thing. Like Michael McDonald as well. When I s- just feel like my vocal cords straining and burning whenever Michael, I hear it. No,
0: Michael McDonald is not on the same level as Michael <laughs> Bolton. Michael McDonald is only in this conversation with the two of us because of his duet with Patti Oh, Reba. That's it. And Aretha. And Aretha, yes. But listen, Steel Bars ever
1: changing times.
0: <laughs> steel bars, soul provider, when I'm back on my feet again, his cover of Georgia on my mind.
1: Uh-huh. Back- you've lost everybody. Whatever.
0: On that note, thanks for listening to episode one fifty three. I'm Jonathan. You can find me on Twitter at tennis underscore John.
1: And I'm James. You can find me on Twitter at Elliot JMR.
0: Two L's, two Ts. We are The Body Serve on Twitter at The Body Serve, funnily enough, as well as on Instagram. If you enjoy the podcast, please tell your friends. Word of mouth is a hell of a thing, even in this day and age. And also, if we may be so bold, give us a review on iTunes. Till next time.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much.